CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Friday, Options Actions fans. I'm Tyler Matheson, in tonight for Melissa Lee, and we have a great show lined up for you tonight. And here is what's coming up. Perhaps you're feeling a little stressed out this week? Not to worry. Carter Worth is a call on health care that could help ease your anxiety. Then, as if we haven't all been inundated enough, Tony Zhang has a utilities play that could turn on the waterworks, so to speak, but in a good way. Plus, even when other battles end, you still can't fight the Fed, as they say. So Professor Coe has yet another shield to protect yourself with. It's time to risk less and make more. Options Action starts right now. And that is the motto, risk less, make more. Let's get right to it. And despite everything that has been happening, what a week it has been, Healthcare has been, relatively speaking, uh, flatlining for much of the year. But Carter Worth, the chart master, thinks it's time to yell clear as the sector could soon get shocked back to life. Carter, you're a doctor. You, too, have charts. Your prognosis. <laughs> Let's see what it is. Here we go. So a couple tables and then some charts and figure it out together. The first, what we know is sometimes one day says a lot. What was the best performing sector the day after Election Day? It was health care. Are there reasons for that? Sure. Maybe it's because Obamacare is less under pressure. Maybe there'll be less regulatory pressures for drug stocks or managed care. But what we know is not only the best performing sector on the day after Election this week, it's the second best performing sector only to tech. Now take a look at the next table. Is it a good sector? Well, of all sectors, it has the strongest top line growth of the past three years. Revenue growth of 29%. Now compare that to the S&P at 11, even tech at only 12. And then how about valuation? Look at the next table. Healthcare right now is its cheapest valuation to the S&P in five years. In fact, the trailing PE, trailing 12 months, you can see it right there on the screen, 21.8 versus the S&P 27.2. Now, let's look at a chart or two. What you have here before you is a two-panel chart, and this is all data going back to 1989. That's the healthcare sector on the top. And on the bottom, and this is the important thing, is the sector's relative performance to the S&P. And you can see that basically the sector has been underperforming since about 2015, hence the, the five-year cheapness on the PE. But what's most important is every time we've come down to that trend line, it has bounced to the penny. And we are bouncing this week literally off that line. And then finally, just a chart of the XLV, which is, of course, the ETF that you could use to trade uh, a theme in healthcare. Um, this is the simple chart one year of the XLV, and it has all the elements of a classic uh, breakout candidate. In fact, as you can see, it's already making new 52-week highs where the S&P is not. And then finally, of course, uh, Tyler, there's this. This is the second biggest sector by weight in the market at 14%. And also, it's a very diverse sector with biotech, which is aggressive, large-cap pharma, which is defensive. Uh, you have devices, you have managed care, life sciences, tools, 
it's, it's a good place to be. It's an offense-defense trade. XLV, long. And you make a very compelling case for it. Professor Mike Cole, give us your second opinion. How would you put those facts to work? How do you trade it? Yeah, I think a lot of the things that Carter was just pointing out are important considerations. Oftentimes when we think about a specific sector, you might feel like you don't have sufficient diversification, but Carter was making the point about that. You have growth opportunity in the area of biotech, for example. And of course, we were just talking about Biogen in the last half hour, and here's some disappointing news. But of course, this is only about one and a half percent of XLV. So you have exposure to the upside, but you have diversification in the event that things don't work out. And of course, it also tends to be relatively recession proof. You know, this is one of those areas that you don't have necessarily the kinds of headwinds that can affect other areas of the market, like consumer discretionary, for example. So one of the things I was taking a look at here is the fact that, of course, options prices have come in considerably since election day, but they still remain elevated in many cases. They are slightly elevated in XLV. This is one instance where I think actually it's well justified, though, because what we've seen since the election is that very, very sharp move. So even though options prices aren't quite as cheap as I would like, I still just want to be net long options, and I think we can do this with a very simple trade. I was looking out to January, the 114 spot 33 strike calls. Now, sometimes due to various actions with securities, you're going to get these odd-looking strikes, but that is a strike that expires in January. It's essentially the first out-of-the-money strike that you can trade in XLV. When I was looking at that earlier today, it was trading for about $2.10. It may have been a little bit lower than that on the close, so about 2 bucks. Here's the thing. You're risking a relatively small amount of the notional amount of an XLV share to make an upside bet. And the idea here is that if you get the move in your favorite direction, we're going to then look for an opportunity to spread. Maybe sell an upside call. Maybe sell a nearer dated call against it. And I think that's one way that we should be just taking advantage of the momentum that we're seeing in the sector right now. You know, Tony Zhang, whenever I see the phrase, as I did just there on Mike's chart, uh, profit potential unlimited, I like it. Do you like it, Tony Zhang? Yeah, so I, I actually quite like this trade because, first of all, if you look at the healthcare sector, it was one of the strongest sectors off of the March lows, but it quickly lost steam like around mid-April because it really has underperformed the market pretty much since then. But as Carter showed, since the election, we've seen this recent breakout only not only on an absolute basis above that 110 resistance level, but also on a relative basis. So I do think it's constructive. And specifically, when you look at the valuations, that is, uh, from my perspective, quite attractive. But what I specifically like here is actually Mike's trade. Now, Mike has chosen to go out to January. And unfortunately, the first out-of-the-money strike price is actually quite far out of the money. It's about a 35 delta, the 114 spot 33 strike price. For me, I usually wouldn't pick something that far out of the money, but that was the first strike price that he could choose. He's only risking 2%, a little under 2% of the ETS value to take this bullish bet here. Now, when you use such a low delta call option here, what you have is a relatively low probability of success trade. But the trade-off here is the fact that you have very low risk and an extremely attractive risk to reward ratio if you do get the breakout that Carter's looking for on XLV. Carter, what do you think of what you just heard? I like it all. I mean, it sounds like uh, it's three <laughs> to zero. We're all on board. <laughs> One, two, three.
All right, let's, uh, let's move on to a, another sector of the market. Maybe th usually thought it was a little bit more boring. There are things that are just really hard to fight, and among them a large volume of rushing water and the Fed. But Tony Zhang has a way to keep you flowing along with both. Tony, you got some water for us. Yeah, Tyler, like you said, a utility is usually considered a boring sector. Um, but we have seen a bit of slow rotation into utilities over the past couple of months. And I really want to use it. American Water Works as a way to potentially play for further upside into the rotation that we see into utilities. Now, if we look at XLU, which is the chart, uh, which is the ETF that tracks the utility sector, we've recently had a, a range bound between April and October, but recently just broke out above that range, above the $63 level here. But if you look at XLU on a relative basis to the S&P 500, it's actually been underperforming the markets during this whole time. But the recent breakout here has actually coupled it with some relative outperformance here. And I particularly like this because XLU has been outperforming the market during a, 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 an environment where interest rates have been rising, which is generally speaking a headwind for this, this sector. So I'm fairly constructive here on the rotation that we're seeing here into uh, utilities. Now, if we look at American Water Works, which is one of the stronger names within this particular sector, this stock also broke out above that 150 level at the same time when XLU broke out above its range and it's come back to retest that level as support. So not only do you have a breakout on an absolute basis, you also have American Water Works continuing to outperform the sector itself. So the sector is outperforming the market and the stock is outperforming the sector, which is a pretty bullish setup that I try to look for in any type of trade like this. So the trade setup that I'm looking to use here is taking advantage of the fact of the implied volatility here on American Water Works is actually quite cheap. It's currently trading at about 13 percentile of its IV rank over the past 52 weeks. So the trade setup that I'm using is going out to January and I'm buying the 160, 175 call vertical here, paying about $6.40 for that 160 call, uh, pay, collecting about $1.25 for that 175 call. Net net here, I'm paying about $5.15, which is only about 3.2% of the stock's value. So that's all I'm risking on this particular trade, looking to play for upside going through the January expiration. Very interesting. Uh, Michael, what do you think of that trade? How would you trade it? Uh, I think I would probably use uh, the exact same structure, actually. A couple of things that I really like about it. For one, oftentimes in the utilities, we're talking about fairly safe and stable stocks. Uh, we don't mind being long the stock. We don't mind doing things like buy rights. This is a stock, though, that has moved very sharp, sharply off those March lows. It's up over 65%, in fact, off of those March lows and has had some good movement, as Tony was alluding to right now. The other thing that he spoke about was the fact that implied volatility was relatively low. That's true. What's even lower is realized volatility. And that's actually probably the reason that he was looking to use a debit spread here. The situation that you want to look at is if you see very low implied volatility, that's an opportunity to buy options. If you see even lower realized volatility, as you do in this particular case, you might look for situations where you can spread. And because we've seen that big move, because we have relatively low realized volatility, he's giving himself sufficient time. I think all of these are reasons why the call spread is probably a good setup if you're playing a bullish bet in this particular name. Carter, do you like the way this is playing out, or would you do something different? No, no, I do. It's First of all, it's a great chart. Uh, I think, in my case, it's less about the sector. What we know is that utilities, just on September 1st, made a 10-year relative low. 
to the S&P. Um, American Waterworks is in a way not a utility. Let me just put it this way. What's the best performing utility this week? American Waterworks. How about the last six months? AWK. How about the last year? AWK. How about the last two years? AWK. This is really more about an idiosyncratic growth name, uh, if you will. It's a stock that was uh, on a 10-year basis is paced the S&P, paced some of the great uh, tech names. And so I think it continues. Um, but it's, I, for my, my seat, less about the sector. Less about the sector and more about the company, as you call it, a kind of a, uh, an idiosyncratic play within, within the sector. Carter, thank you. And folks, for everything Options Action, you can check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. And here is what's coming up next. Only one is all-powerful. Professor Mike Coe is yet another bunker. But when you can't fight the Fed. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, folks, welcome back to Options Action. Good to be with you on a Friday evening at the end of a busy week. Silver, it is uh, not just for 25th anniversaries and formal dinnerware. My mother had tons of it. It can be a great shield, in this case, against rates. Carter and Mike take us to the forge. So, Carter, let's start with you. Talk us through some silver. Sure, you bet. A couple charts. So the first one here is just the past year. And what we know, of course, is that on the pandemic low, uh, the SLV, the ETF that uh, tracks the metal, was down at 11 or silver is $11 an ounce. And then it, of course, comes to life with equities, with the general market. And you can see that huge run up to the August high at, at 27 uh, or thereabouts, about 150% advance. And then the give back, which also is annotated there on the chart, uh, down to 21, uh, that's a 25% uh, sell-off. So up 150, down 25%, and now it's starting to come to life. Uh, one way to show that coming to life, look at the next chart. So whether you call this a wedge or you call it a, a triangle, you, it doesn't matter what you call it. It represents, after great volatility, a period of equilibrium, a standoff, uh, uh, equilibrium, a debate that's now being resolved to the upside. You can see the arrow I've drawn. These are converging trend lines, and we're breaking out uh, to the upside. And so we're could we go? Well, the final chart. Now, uh, it's tomorrow's launch, way out there in the future to talk about going back to 2011 high at, at 50. But you can see here, it, putting in context the longer term chart, we have, again, this powerful move. We were basically as low as 10, $11 an ounce in silver. We come surging to life, uh, almost a triple. And we're in this consolidation phase, which looks as though it's going to be resolved to the upside, and I think dramatically so. Resolve to the upside, Mike. How would you hammer out a trade on this one? Yeah, so let's just take a look. You know, he was pointing out some longer-term charts. I'm sort of looking backwards and forwards by about two to three months. Looking backwards by about two months, 
what did we see? We saw SLV just above, say, the 26 level, up around 27. That was about the highs that we saw within that time frame late August. Since that point, it then fell. Where did it go to? Roughly 22 or thereabouts, a little bit lower. Where do we find ourselves now? Right in the middle, just about 24. Right now, we're seeing very elevated options premiums in SLV due to the volatility that we've seen. I think we can take advantage of that. I was looking at selling the January 24 put. When I was looking at that earlier today, you could collect $2.10. The idea here is that I'm comfortable owning SLV. In fact, I do own SLV shares myself. If it goes below that 24 strike expiration, you're going to own it. But where are you going to own it? Just below 22. And you have, even if it just trades sideways, essentially almost, you know, 9%-ish in terms of returns over the next two and a half months. And of course, it might bump into, in the near term, a little bit of resistance if it gets back to the levels from whence it came. Again, we're going to be collecting about as much by selling this put. And you have an improved probability of profit. So this is one of those cases where I think we can take advantage of the elevated options premiums and actually sell some options. And here, I'm comfortable owning SLB if it does drop. All right, Tony, how does that strike you? So I, I think, first of all, gold and silver are two, two metals that I've been paying attention to. A lot of investors are paying attention to this week. Carter and Mike brought it up last week through GDX. But if you missed out on that, I do think this is an, another way for investors to potentially get in, or long gold or silver. Now, the thing about gold and silver is that it's consolidated, as, as Carter said, over the past couple of months when we recently had this breakout. And that's very constructive, in my opinion, for a continuation higher here. And if you look at gold and silver, the two have, are very highly correlated. If you look at the 60-day correlations, about 93%. But the difference between GLD and SLV, which doesn't get as much attention for many investors, is the fact that GLD trades at almost seven times the price of, XL, of, of SLV, which means that if you're selling a put option and at the money put option here, as Mike said, your margin requirement or your cash requirement to sell an SLV contract is only about $2,200 per contract. But to do the same thing on GLD would cost you over $17,000. So for those investors who have a smaller account, or if you just want better, uh, the ability to be more flexible on your, on your sizing, SLV could be potentially a better opportunity here. And also, the implied volatility here for SLV is more than double that of GLD. So as Mike showed you here on his uh, short put here, you're collecting almost 9% of the ETF's value in premium here versus if you did the same January at the money put on GLD, you're only collecting 3.2%. So a lot more premium that you're collecting, which you could potentially use down the line to purchase some call options if you do really start to see some acceleration here to the upside. So the, I, I like the thesis. I think SLV is going to break out above this $24 level if you look at the chart. So I like how Mike is getting really aggressive by selling these in the money puts. All right. Sounds good, guys. Uh, thanks very much. And up next, check out shares of Wayfair staging some big gains this week. We'll tell you how this uh, work from home winner is paying off for one of our traders. And we will take your tweets. Send us your questions at optionsaction at optionsaction. Uh, and we'll answer some of them on the air. We're right back after this. Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen. Money Movers, today 11 Eastern, CNBC. 
All right, welcome back to Options Action, everybody. Time to look back at some of our open trades. And last week, Tony said Wayfair was set to be a big work-from-home winner. I really like Wayfair going into earnings next week because I really think Wayfair sits at the intersection of the shift that we've seen in consumer spending towards e-commerce and the shift we've seen in terms of spending for home improvements. So I'm going out to December and I'm selling the 240, 210 put vertical here, collecting about $12.50 in credit. And boy, was Tony right. Wayfair taking off since the time of that trade. Tony, a great call. What do you do now? Yeah, so Wayfair rep uh, reported fairly strong earnings across the board, both top line and bottom line. Gross margins came in better than analysts' ex expectations at 30%. Customer growth also came in, coming in fairly strong. When you have a put spread like this, uh, earlier today you could buy back for about $2.90, which represents about 75% of the max possible max profit with 42 days left to go this is time to take profits and move on to the next trade move on to the next one uh, mike cole what do you think yeah absolutely i mean when you've taken basically most of the reward relative to the risk you know that that basically becomes asymmetric against you if you don't so i agree with tony you know this is mm -hmm. definitely a situation where you should take the money and move on take the money and run thanks guys up next we got the final call And welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer asked, what's the impact of the VIX on long-term options like leaps? I don't know what they're talking about. No, I do a little bit. Mike Coe, explain it to us. Sure thing. So when you're talking about the VIX index or the spot VIX index, what you're looking at is the implied volatility over the course of the next 30 days, very near term. When you're looking at leaps, those are long-term options, typically a year to expiration or more. Long-term options, the volatility of volatility is relatively low. So the short answer is that short-dated volatility doesn't have a really big impact on long-term volatility. All right, let's go on to the final call. we got about uh, 30 seconds. Carter, you go first. Well, two of them, healthcare long. A silver law for healthcare, use the XLV. For silver bullion, use SLV. All right, Tony, you next. Playing the rotation into utilities with American Autumn Works, buying a January called debit spread. Last word to you, Mike, quick. XLV calls. All right, thanks everybody for watching Options Action. We'll be back next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't go anywhere, mad money right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.